man, celebrating something like that. You're in a good church, amen? Come on, there's been a lot going on. God's been so good to us. You know, I, I think that maybe when, when you come in, maybe if you're a little bit newer, you come in and what you see is a crowd. What I see is family, amen? Because I, I get a chance to be up here all the time. I look in your faces. I know your stories. That so many of us, we've had conversations, and I know what's going on in your family. So for me, Christmas like this is like having a family Christmas where I can't fit y'all in my house. So it's much better to have a larger building to be able to spend some time together in. If you were invited today, just know this. Somebody trusts you. They trust you to bring you into their special location. That this is a place where we do things that we don't normally do in other areas. We don't always sing out loud. And for some of us, that's a good thing. We don't always raise our hands. We don't always pray out loud. We don't always talk about some of these deep, meaningful things always out loud around our friends. So if you got invited to be here, what it means is that they trust you. It means that they care enough to invite you into their family room. So we are so glad that you are here. I have a couple thoughts that I want to share with you as we move on through the service. And the first one is this. Everybody loves a great rescue story. We have them in movies and in books where things are so difficult and somebody comes in and in a Herculean effort, they solve it. Whatever it is, by the end of the movie, you feel good because someone came and made it right. The problem with that is that in order to have a dramatic rescue, you had to have had a tragedy unfold. There's no point in getting rescued from something that's not that big of a deal, right? So if I'm going to tell you the greatest rescue story of all time through Jesus Christ, we got to talk about why a rescue is needed and what in the world the problem is. You know, I would suggest to you that all of us know instinctually something's not right in our world. Every time we lose someone, something doesn't feel right about that. We feel somewhat uh, at a loss and feel a bit violated that we can't have access to our family forever like that. I think that most of what goes on in our world are, are ways where we try to compensate for that which is wrong inside us, that we kind of focus on our stuff and, and we kind of have some escapisms. But there are certain points in life when everything is forced upon us to be quiet and that's when we reflect and realize we don't have answers for everything. Back in 2018, uh, I got a call about my dad. And my dad and I have a great relationship. My dad, uh, even though he didn't live with me, he left when I was seven. I, I didn't have a dad at home, but we had a great relationship. As a matter of fact, he was kind of a power influencer in my life. Uh, I tell people that I, on the outside, I'm a lot like my dad. On the inside, my guts are a lot like my mom, right? But my dad was the one that taught me how to communicate, taught me about humor, taught me about how to run a room, taught me how to make sure to show attention and be able to be articulate and all that stuff. That was all my dad. My dad had a lot of strength, a lot of confidence. Uh, I, would, I would assume that everyone that met him, they saw a guy of tremendous strength. 
2018, April, I get a call. Your dad's had a seizure. Well, my dad doesn't have seizures. There's no reason for my dad to have a seizure. Didn't even make any sense. So they said it was pretty bad. So we, at our next moment, we all drove up to Reno to go see him. He seemed relatively okay at the beginning, but something was a little bit off. As he began to decrease over that day and the next day, they did deeper studies, found he had inoperable brain cancer. By the time we hit August, we were having to turn my dad so the bed sores wouldn't settle. He was no longer that strong guy, that sharp guy. I remember as he was deteriorating, trying to watch TV with him, and he would have a hard time grasping concepts. That was not my dad. My dad was so sharp. And it was in that moment that I realized even our champions, even our strongest people, they don't always get to be strong, right? I mean, we can placate ourselves and try to think, you know, everything's fine, everything's fine. Whoa, 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 hold on. When life really crashes in, it reminds you how fragile we really are. We are not quite as tough as we like to think we are, right? Even the best of us. But I believe that the world has always struggled with its brokenness. I believe that the dependence is something that we don't deal well with. I, I feel like so much of the way our world works is desperately searching for something to save us, something to fix us, or at least make us feel that nothing is wrong. Anti-aging efforts. Sports. Fashion. Porn. Entertainment. Cosmetics. Alcohol. Politics. Those are multi-billion dollar businesses for a reason. Multi-billion dollar industries. Why? Because they're all either trying to solve something or mask something. That's what we do in our life because it's not right. There's an inherent flaw. There's an inherent challenge. We don't have an answer for our next life. No matter how cool and how powerful we are in this life, we don't yet have any ability to control the next one. And I'm going to suggest we never will. And that leaves us feeling a bit exposed. So we cover it and we cover it. It's always been that way. The more we uncover in archaeology, the more we realize, man, it's the same thing. You uncover the Egyptians, you find out so much of it was about trying to beautify while we decay. It was so much about mask this, mask that, cosmetics, everything else. You go all the way back to one of the first people groups in recording. We're talking about the Sumerians. They're the ones who came up with beer. Man, it's always been alcohol all the way through. There's always this, man, I don't like my life. It doesn't feel right. I got to somehow dull it out. Escapism has always been the plan. And I'm going to suggest to you that when we get to the Christmas story, and we get to the days of Jesus, there's a context he came into. It wasn't like he just came in random. It was a very specific time. So many things had aligned just for this moment, but it wasn't a joyful time. It was a very dark time. And one of the reasons was because of the leadership that was in place in Israel at that time. Now, you got to remember, we're going to go back 2,000 years ago, the Roman Empire ran the Western world, right? They ran all of that. And kind of their thing was to put leadership into place that could keep things mellow. So they brought in a guy that they knew well. He was Idumean. 
which means his dad was a descendant of Esau. You know, you think about Jacob and Esau, his dad was a descendant of one line, so he was quasi-related to the Jewish people. So they thought, oh man, if I get a quasi-Jewish guy, maybe he'll win the popular vote of the Jewish people. So they put him in charge in Israel. The reason he became in charge is he was a warrior. Talking about Herod. History calls him Herod the Great. This guy is messed up, he's so complicated. He was a warrior, the reason why he got to be in power was not just his Jewish heritage, but it was because he eliminated all those that opposed him. As a matter of fact, the reason why he was selected out specifically is that he had buddies who were named Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, anybody ever heard of Antony and Cleopatra? I mean, this guy had some pretty big dog friends. But he made a lot of those friends because at a relatively young age, he was given an army and told to go attack Palestine and get it back. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about, we call it Israel. Back then, it was a whole different ball game. He came in, anybody ever heard of the Maccabean Revolt? The Maccabean Revolt is what Hanukkah is all about. 150 years prior to that event, they had set up a dynasty. It was called the Hasmonean Dynasty. Herod the Great, came in with an army and crushed a dynasty. The Hasmonean dynasty stopped the day he walked in with his army and he just decimated them and started a whole new thing. Boy, that got the attention of Rome. They put him into power and he was called Herod the Great because on the outside, he was good for the economy. Man, rich people love this guy. He was such a kind of wheeler dealer guy. Listen to this, this is pretty crazy. On the outside, he became the president of the Olympic games for a while. I don't know if anybody knew that, but he was known for the idea of creating things, building infrastructure, building luxuries. He built theaters, brought in running water. He rebuilt and beautified the Jewish temple. He was the guy that made everybody money. Everybody loved that. But in his personal life, he was a nightmare. When he came to power, he was married and had a son. For political reasons, he just ditched him, got a new one, made a political ally marriage. Mariamne was now his queen, brings her in. She has two kids. At some point, he becomes paranoid over her, kills her, the boys, her dad, her mom, wipes them all out. This guy gets more and more mentally off as he's going through. As he gets older, he starts to lose control with all kinds of stuff, eliminates everybody. By the time he was done, he had had eight wives and 14 children. Most of those he murdered. There were national tensions, poor leadership, divisions. Nobody liked how things were going. Didn't look like it was going to fix anytime soon. That is the area that Jesus was born into. It was in this dark and scary time that the Jewish people started to whisper that what they had waited for thousands of years for, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior, was going to come. That's a pretty crazy thing to say, but you know when it gets really bad, you said, I believe that a rescuer is going to come. God had revealed that to him. So people started whispering, he's on his way. Young woman, maybe about 15, backwater town in the Galilee region, rural country, 
an angel shows up to her, starts talking about political world intrigue. She has no idea what the heck that has to do with her, what's going on. And he has this very strange conversation, and I'm going to read it to you so you can kind of hear it for yourself. I'm going to be reading out of Luke 1.30. It says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Israel forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. You got to imagine immediately, they're like, yes, a political figure. That's going to solve it. Man, we've had all these bad kings, all this terrible stuff. Who's going to solve our Rome problem? Who's going to handle our Jewish problem? We need another political figure. Finally, a good political figure will save us. They had no idea that Jesus was running a revolution of heart. He was not interested in going head-to-head with Caesar. He was interested in undermining the entire process and creating a new type of people, not a new type of nation. (laughs) What kind of deliverer are you if your newsboys are angels? You're probably a big deal, right? I mean, if your angels are the ones going out and giving the news that you're going to show up, you're obviously bigger than an angel. And they realized this was not normal. So Mary had a couple questions. Like, I don't exactly know how this is going to go down. So she asked, verse 34, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And as a proof, as an example, your relative Elizabeth in her old age just had a son. This is the sixth month with her who was prior called barren, infertile, never could have kids. Oh, look, she did, for nothing is impossible with God. Man, that is a phrase we got to memorize. For nothing is impossible with God. In a moment, I'm going to make this whole message. Yeah, praise God. Come on. In a moment, I'm going to make this message real personal, and I want you to know that this is true for you. It's not just true for the world. Nothing is impossible with God. That's on the macro level. That's on the micro level. That's in your life. That's in other people's lives. Too often, we think that a miracle is for somebody else, not for us. I disagree. I've seen it too many times. Finish up. It says, and Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel left. You see, Mary began to understand something, that when the angel came up to her, God was not looking for her to perform more, to do more, to fix more. She wasn't the solution. She needed to be available to the solution. She actually needed to let God be God. That's all she needed to do. God wasn't coming to her and going, man, I got a problem. You got to fix it. Human beings aren't going to fix it. Whatever you are facing that is over your head, you may not be able to fix it, but nothing is impossible with God. He knows what he's doing. He's really, really good at it. You see, the Christmas story is that God was coming to rescue and make things right. 
He stepped in and did what the bad kings couldn't do. He stepped in where leadership had failed. He was going to make it right. We think too often about the Christmas story being a moment in history. No, no, no. It was the launch of a new reality. Jesus didn't just come and go. Jesus came and stayed. The Holy Spirit is still rolling. There are still miracles today that God's presence is still among us. It said that Jesus would reign forever. There's never a time he's not on the throne. I don't care what we're facing as a nation. I don't care what you're facing in your own personal life. God is on the throne. And that gives us an opportunity to hope. It gives us an opportunity to have a joy when our situation isn't great, right? That's the Christian message. So we get to that Christmas story we've all heard. Stars align to mention to those looking a king is being born. Okay, we're not all scientists or astronomers here, but I think we're all pretty clear that stars don't just move randomly. Is that correct? What that means is they are in a preset pattern of rotation, right? Question for you. What was created first, stars or people? Stars. In other words, God set something in motion that at the exact right time would click into place at the time his son would show up to rescue a people not yet created. That's crazy. God is always ahead of the game. Let's make it personal. God is the one that's been whispering to you since you were a child. He's the one that always had that little echo in your spirit. You never called yourself religious, but you know there's a God. You know in your scariest moments when people couldn't handle it, you knew God was somehow there. What I'm trying to tell you is he's been hunting you down and loving on you when you didn't even pay attention to it. That's what I'm telling you. He's so far ahead and he will keep loving you until you leave this place and he will love you again. Amen? The story tells us more angels show up. They show up to shepherds. Why? Because those were considered in their society the lowest rank. Why would he do that? Because God wants to be very clear. He is not looking for the biggest, best, brightest. He is not looking for the wealthy. He is not, he's looking for everybody. He is looking for those that aren't super smart, those that don't have all the wealth. Jesus said, I have come to love on the people that bear the mark of God, and that's everybody, amen? And sure enough, finally the wise men show up. They're way late, right? So now he's a little baby toddler. They show up and they have a meeting with a guy named Herod. What did I tell you last time about how Herod operates? He's paranoid, he's freaked out, and he eliminates competition. When they tell him a baby Jewish boy has been born to be king, he calls for all Hebrew boys two years and younger to be incinerated. They're all to be killed. Why? No opponents, no rivals. That's how he's always lived his life. 
but what he couldn't do was stop the plans of God. All of a sudden in this little tiny town in Bethlehem, this baby had been born. He couldn't shut it down, he couldn't ruin it. Satan couldn't even ruin it. This little baby is born in a very humble way and now this baby is on his way to save the entire world. The story of Christmas is a demonstration of power. It's a demonstration that God is able to defeat the devil, that God is able to replace human leadership, that God can be on the throne of our lives. Amen? That's the story of Christmas. You see, Mary sang this story, sang this song after she had a meeting with an angel. It's called Mary's Magnificat. In that, she has one line that I find very interesting. She said, Mighty God has done great things for me. You see, everything I'm telling you is not just great for the world, in quotes, but for you personally. The greatest thing about good rescuers is they keep rescuing until you're all rescued. What that means is that God is interested in the big rescue and the little rescue. What do I mean? There are some of us in this room and can hear my voice watching online. You have never yet experienced what it means to be made brand new. Everything Jesus died on the cross for, everything about him taking the punishment we deserve as enemies of God, everything about the selfishness we've done in our lives, all the regrets, all the pain, all the baggage, you've never allowed Jesus to say, let me save you. You've never had that. That's a big rescue. That is letting the cleansing fall over you, the washing of cleansing and regeneration, knowing that you and God are okay and you will be okay for the rest of your existence. Some of you have never had that setting into a state of grace where now every time you fail, Jesus knows that you're his child and he'll come pick you up again. Maybe you've never had that. That's a big rescue. But there's a bunch of us in this room that are Christians. We have had the big rescue, but we are not living according to the victory that he got us. As a matter of fact, we're enslaved by all kinds of stuff, man. We got, we got, and we got problems. Some of it we brought on ourselves, but some of it just happened to us. Some of us are going through pain and difficulty relationally, mentally, physically. We got all kinds of issues. That rescuing matters to God too. Now, could he just wait and say, I'm going to take you home and make it all better? He could. But sometimes he says, it hurts you, so it bothers me. I don't have to fix it, but I would like to. So I'm going to close out the service by just praying for those two groups. Is that all right? I'm going to pray for those of us that need the big rescue and pray for those of us that just need a rescue for today. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and do that. Heavenly Father, in this beautiful moment where our hearts are prepared, we've lifted up your name. We've blocked away distractions, and now it's our time to talk to you. God, would you meet us here? Holy Spirit, would you fill this room in a way that is tangible, personal, where each of us can feel like maybe it's just you and us 
by ourselves. If you're in this room or you can hear my voice and you need that cleansing, that forgiveness, that you know that that which is broken in you has no solution and you want it fixed today, if you want Jesus to be Lord of your life, would you just raise your hand? Raise your hand just where you're sitting, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of us today, yeah? I'm gonna pray for us. Heavenly Father, we raised our hand because pastor's talking about us. That Lord, all the stuff that we tried to control, everything we've tried to make work, is just not working good enough. God, it may work in this life or maybe not, but it's certainly not gonna take us to the next one. We pray right now, Jesus, everything that you died for, everything that is wrong with us, you paid for. Right now, would you rescue us? As your word says, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So right now, we're calling on your name. We're saying, God, I don't got it, but you got it. If you don't got me, I don't have anything. So right now, I surrender, I give up. I'm gonna stop thrashing and kicking and I'm just gonna let you rescue me out of drowning. So God, I just open my arms to you and I say, please save me. Forever after I I confess, I don't know how I'm gonna do, but I know that I've just gotta lean into you. So right now, would you wash me clean, put me in a perpetual state of grace, make me your child and make me brand new in the name of Jesus. A lot of us in this room, we just have some pain today. If you are currently facing pain that has to do with whether that's mental, emotional, or physical, would you just raise your hand right now? If you're hurting today, how about just raise your hand? What a beautiful Christmas present that we can pray for this. Yeah? Yeah, a lot of us are in pain. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we lift up our hands because if we could fix it, we would have. But God, we can't fix the divorce pain. We can't fix the loss pain. We can't fix the grief. We can't fix the relational brokenness. We can't even fix the hurt that we feel inside our bodies. Doctors have told some of us, Lord, that our bodies are breaking down rapidly and we need a miracle. God, there's some of us that are really wrestling with depression and anxiety. The meds can't fix it. We're trying, we're doing our best, but God, we need a miracle. So right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just pray blessing over each and every body, each and every mind, each and every soul and spirit, that right now, God, would you, I'm just merely an ambassador for you, God. So in the name of Jesus, I proclaim healing over the pain, healing over the loss, joy restored, hope restored. And right now, God, that all of us would begin to feel like you see us, you see our personal hurt, and that you minister to us right now. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Chemicals be righted, toxicity be eliminated, and allow us to be vibrant and alive. Only just because you love us, God, we don't deserve it, but you're so kind and gracious. Holy Spirit, would you heal us today? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.